Hey guys, David Reeves here. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Hope you enjoy. And remember, you can catch a new episode every Wednesday at noon central on all your streaming devices. Most of these podcasts have visuals, so if you want to see the entire video, check them out at creationsuperstore.com. They're available on DVD or digital download. All right, let's get to it. Hello, I'm David Reeves, host of Wonders Without Number. In each episode, we talk about breaking discoveries in science, which reveal that our Creator, the God of the Bible, has left a pattern of His fingerprints throughout the universe. Check out our other resources at davidreeves.com. Sign up for email updates to have encouraging nuggets sent straight to your inbox. Subscribe to our free monthly magazine and like us on Facebook for daily inspiration and education regarding science and the Bible. How does an attorney and someone who has served as a judge look at God, His creation, and His righteousness, His judgment? Let's find out more right now on Wonders Without Number. Welcome to Wonders Without Number, I'm David Reeves, and today we want to inform and inspire you regarding the wonders that we find all around us. An infinite number of wonders that point us directly to our Creator, the God of the Bible. You are no accident. I want you to know that you are special, that you were created in God's own image, that Jesus Christ was and is that Creator, and that He has a plan for your life. Each week we explore the wonders of God's creation that point us back to biblical truth. We're giving you the tools that you need to defend your Christian faith and we will kick it off right now with this week's Heavens Declare. We're in Ape Cave right now and this is on the south side of Mount St. Helens. This is more than just a cave. This is a big circular lava tube uh, where lava flowed underground here. And of course, everything hardened around it. But the molten lava was flowing through this system here. And uh, it, it extends for quite a ways. Uh, we're just a little bit back, but it's, uh, it's cold and uh, a lot of dripping going on here. So uh, it is an amazing thought to know that molten lava was flowing through this tunnel at one point in the past. When we think of volcanoes, we probably think of fiery lava oozing down mountainsides. What if I told you that when you think volcano, you should think Ice Age. Now, I'm here at a volcano, Mount St. Helens in beautiful Washington State. And this particular volcano erupted in May of 1980, and it was closely studied by geologists and others. It really helped us understand more about how catastrophes shape our planet. Now, Mount St. Helens seemed like a big explosion. After all, it released the equivalent of 440 tons of TNT, and it created 
what's known as the largest volcanic landslide on record. The ash cloud that it created even cooled the Earth by a fraction of a degree. So what would happen if volcanoes were erupting all over the world all at the same time? Well, it's hard to imagine what a catastrophe of that size would do. You see, most of the rock record that we have today was laid down during the global flood of Noah's day. This is about 4,000 years ago. But throughout this record, we find vast amounts of volcanic ash. So we know that during the flood, there was intense volcanism. Mount St. Helens is absolutely dwarfed by what happened during that time in Earth's past. But what does that have to do with an ice age? Well, we know that volcanic eruptions send aerosols into the atmosphere and they last up there quite a long time. You see, with all the volcanism during the flood, the atmosphere would have been filled with these aerosols. As they reflect sunlight back into space, cooling the Earth, well, they can sometimes lower the temperature by up to two degrees Fahrenheit. We've seen that happen in past history. Well, if a small volcano like Mount St. Helens here can cool the Earth by a fraction of a degree, imagine what dozens of massive volcanoes could do. These aerosols would have cooled the Earth's temperature a lot more than two degrees. And the molten rock from these volcanoes would have warmed the oceans. So now you've got warm oceans and cool air and continents. This caused a lot of evaporation, which falls as, guess what? Snow. You see, cooler summers means less melting, particularly at the poles, and so the snow uh, built into glaciers and ice sheets. And, and that's actually what makes an ice age. You see, eventually as the world settles down, the climate does too, and the glaciers retreat about to where we have them today, somewhere near the poles. So the next time that you think of a volcano, think of an ice age and how the Bible history and global flood explains everything we see around us. I'm David Reeves. Truly, the heavens declare the glory of God. And now let's meet my guest, Dr. Jim Johnson. He has his Juris Doctor's degree from the University of North Carolina. He's a linguistic scholar, served as a Texas judge for 25 years, is a contributing author to the Guide to Creation Basics, and is on the team of the Institute for Creation Research, studying, sharing the truth of the biblical record. Welcome to the program, Jim. Thank you. It is great to have you here in studio with us today. Good to be here. Thank All you. the way from uh, Dallas, Texas. Now, uh, out in Dallas, uh, not only do you have a team of researchers working on important issues regarding biblical authority, but also um, the uh, ICR Discovery Center. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, well, we used to call it the museum, but the official name is the Discovery Center. Okay. And it's a mix of exhibits. Uh, there's a lecture hall, there's a planetarium, okay. uh, events from time to time, special events, say for homeschoolers or uh, uh, other special occasions. There's a lot to do, and it's packed into a very uh, adventurous piece of space. Absolutely. Well, you see, I've been to the Perot Museum in downtown Dallas before, and I've seen that agenda that they have there. It's, it's like an atheistic agenda on every poster in every informational plaque, every room. It's got that, it's got that push to it, right? And somehow that's, oh, that's, that's great science for school children to go through. Yet when you say, hey, I start with the Christian worldview, I start with the Bible, we admit we do have a bias. Yeah, our agenda is to tell the truth. Exactly. <laughs> the difference is we know the truth. Yes, oh, that's a good point. That's a good, because we have the historical record that tells us how the universe was formed from the very beginning. 
and we wouldn't know if God hadn't chosen to give us that information. That's a good point. And that comes down to really the use of the word science, which the, the use of the word science can be a bait and switch because there's two major areas, two di different categories of science that what people mostly think of when they think of science and the scientific method and, and uh, um, looking at things that are repeatable and observable in the present, um, things that can be demonstrated in the present, that's empirical science. Okay. But it, it just means you observe it in the present. Yes. But what about the worldwide flood? That happened in the past. We uh, can't observe that in the present. Okay. We can't do an experiment on the flood. It's too late. Yeah. Uh, it happened before we got here. Uh -huh. um, <clears throat> so what, what is it that we can use to learn about what has happened in the past, particularly things that are unique events of the past, mm -hmm. things that don't, I mean, uh, that the sun, sunrise, sunset, that's been happening for a long time, but that's, yeah. that's repeatable. I mean, that, that's got a, a, um, a regularity to it. Okay. But worldwide floods don't. Yeah. There's only been one and that's, there will never be another one. Uh -huh. And creation week, that only happened once and it will never happen again. So how do we learn the truth about what happened then? Yeah. Now we're talking forensic science. Okay. And in forensic science, if you really want to know the truth of the big picture and with certainty how the little pieces fit together, you've got to have a reliable eyewitness. Okay. And that reliable eyewitness is God because he was there. Yeah. And so he knows what happened in those no longer observable, unique events of the past. And he can tell us and because he is the perfect eyewitness, yeah. uh, he saw everything. He um, is capable of remembering everything when it comes time to tell it. He has perfect command of the languages yeah. that are needed, whether that's Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic, to tell us what happened in yeah. the past. He is truthful, uh -huh. absolutely truthful. So everything he says, he's going to tell you that. He's not forgetful, so he's going to tell you all that he's not going to remember part and forget part. Oh, yeah. And he cares that you understand. I mean, everything that you would ever want in a, in a reliable eyewitness, that is who God is. And then he gave that information through his prophets, such as Moses, so that we could have it in written form, so that people who, uh, who are um, memory challenged like me can <laughs> say, I forgot what that says. Oh, that's okay. I've got a Bible here. I can open up and I can read it again. That's right. And it leaves us as Romans 1.20 says, without excuse, if we choose not to accept God's truth. In other words, you have to be willingly ignorant. You're like, you're trying to be blind to the, to the topic because I just, I don't want the responsibility that, that leaves me with. I want to be able to make my own rules. I want to be able to insert billions of years. I want to be able to do all of these things. You have to just be willingly ignorant. So to illustrate at, at a child's level, here's the question. What day were you born? What is your birthday? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> How old are you? Mm -hmm. Okay. You know what? Empirical science cannot look at a child and say, this child was born on such and such a day. Right. Can't do it. You can make some guesses. Okay. You might get in the neighborhood, uh -huh. but you, you also might, you might make some bad guesses. But the point of it is none of us know with certainty what day we were born. Uh -huh unless a reliable eyewitness tells us. And the reason, it's not because we weren't there when it happened. We right. were, but we were pretty young right. and we've forgotten. Yeah. All right. But I know someone who <laughs> is a reliable eyewitness uh -huh. who was there, who definitely remembered and didn't forget it very easily. Yeah. Your mother. Yes. She was there when you were born. My mother was there when I was born. Uh -huh. And they won't forget it. 
they were reliable eyewitnesses and they saw to it that somebody wrote down that day while it was still fresh in everybody's mind and that's why I know what my birthday is. They had a also, most mothers had a record given to them on that day of exactly. birth, a record that said, this person was born on this particular day. Well, that is a historical record. Yes, it is. Okay, wow. Now, you've talked, you talked several times about an eyewitness, right? An eyewitness account, forensic science, things like this. In a court of law, that eyewitness is many times important. Do you, do you you've consider got to yourself have an eyewitness. Uh, uh, to, to have a legal mind, and is a legal mind important when we're studying science and the Bible? Well, <clears throat> I guess I'd have to admit to having a legal mind. Uh, my father was a lawyer, my grandfather was a lawyer, his father was a lawyer, and his father was a lawyer. <laughs> uh, so maybe I inherited something, yeah. but uh, in 1985 I was sworn in as a Texas attorney, and in 1996 I was sworn in as a part-time judge for the state of Texas, and wow. sometimes they want my help and sometimes they don't call me, but uh, and I've, I've also uh, been certified for paternity establishment. Um, th there have been others in church history who used the analysis that uh, you should be taught in a law school. I hope they're still teaching that nowadays. And um, that, that is something that you would expect with the Bible because God wants us to use our minds. Mm -hmm. And um, so much of, of what is in the Bible, you you need to use your mind. I mean, we're told to s uh, study the scriptures. That's right. Study to show yourself approved. A workman it needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, we need to spend time in the word to know what God is telling us. Hi, I'm David Reeves, host of Wonders Without Number. Like what you're seeing? You can find so much more on the Creation Superstore. You'll find over a thousand books, DVDs, and other quality resources on origin science, creation, and Bible history. Whether you're looking for nature documentaries, educational books, homeschool resources, or children's videos, we've got it all, so be sure to head over and check it out. Use this special promo code to receive 10% off your first order. You think it, that having this legal background has been beneficial as you study, let's just say, the evidence of God's creation? Uh, yes, very much so. Because one of the main things that, that um, uh, you, you study in law school and you practice in the courts, if you end up as a litigator, as I did, recognizing assumptions that are being made. Oh. And so when someone is, is making an assumption, uh, suppose it's not a warranted assumption. Let me give a quick example yeah. of, of a clash between empirical science and forensic science. Okay. Uh, th about 300 skeletons were found in mass burial in the interior of England. Uh, this was uh, decades ago, mm -hmm. 30, you know, something like three dozen years ago. And the archaeologist, uh, you know, recorded the details of how they were found, what they were found with, uh, and then the chemist came in to radiocarbon the bones of these skeletons. Yeah. And they were going to announce how, uh, how long ago these skeletons used to be inside living humans. Okay. Uh, in other words, what radiocarbon really does is it, it gives a date for when some living thing died. Gotcha. Why is that? Because while you're living, you're eating, you're taking in food, and a lot of that food has uh, carbon-14 in it, which mm -hmm. is radioactive, but it eventually decays. But as long as you keep taking in food, you're taking in carbon-14. Meanwhile, you're losing it through radioactive decay. 
and you're also getting some uh, uh, in the air, but food is the main way of getting it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Once you die, you stop eating. Right. So that, that means, sense. yeah. <laughs> so now the carbon-14, it's not coming in, it's just going out. Just going out. Because it's decaying at a regular rate. Okay. So the idea is if we know how much you started with yeah. and we see how much is left in your bones right. centuries later, we can say, okay, this is how much is left, plug it in the math formula. Uh -huh. We can back up to, okay, this, this skeleton represents a human being who used to be would have been alive so many centuries ago. Right, and this is based on that ratio of carbon-14 to carbon in many cases, which gives you a, an absolute ratio, number of ratio. You do have to assume several things. Yeah, we'll get to a couple of assumptions, okay. <clears throat> but there was one in particular that made a difference. Mm -hmm. So the biochemists came back and they said to the uh, archaeologists, uh, you have just dug up a mass burial of skeletons of humans who lived in about 600, maybe 700 A.D., after okay. Christ. Okay. And the archaeologists went, eh, there's, there's something that doesn't fit about that because we think these were part of the great heathen army, which was a group of Scandinavian Vikings who came down and raided England and didn't just stick to the coastlines with little hit and run raids, but rather came up on land, got horses and invaded the interior of England wow. and decided we're gonna stay here for a while. Um, we're not gonna just grab and run, we're going to dominate here for a while. The great heathen army was active in the 860s well, that's oh, okay. a different time uh, place in, on the timeline yeah. than, than anything in the 600s or the 700s. Yes. So for 30 years, there was an argument between the biochemists who were using uh, observation-based testing of these bones that exist in the present and calculating how much radiocarbon was in them, yeah. and then using the accepted formula to, uh, you know, to back it up to, okay, when, when would they have been alive? The uh, uh, archaeologists and the, and the historians were saying, yeah, but there is no eyewitness accounts of there being any Viking raids in the 600s or the 700s. Mm -hmm. And these skeletons are found with artifacts that match the Viking age. In fact, huh. we think we might have a couple of coins that weren't even minted until the late 1800s. That'd be kind of hard to get those coins <laughs> down there in that mass burial. <laughs> Some kind of a discrepancy there. Uh. In fact, there's a problem with the assumption. Okay. Well, how does radiocarbon get into your body? If there is carbon dioxide in the air, mm -hmm. from the air, some of that air, carbon dioxide plus water through, through photosynthesis is incorporated into carbohydrates in um, plants that, have, that, that photosynthetically produce carbohydrates. Oh, okay. So that means uh, tree leaves, that means grass, uh, that means uh, any, anything plant. Uh, so that would include fruits, uh, root vegetables, nuts. Yeah. So if you are eating anything that grows on, on the earth, yeah. uh, if, you, if you're eating fruit from a tree or nuts from a tree, or if you're eating uh, crops, uh, grain crops that come up from the earth or root vegetables, or for that matter, suppose you're eating sheep. Well, those sheep, they were eating grass. Mm -hmm. So the, the carbon-14 got into the sheep through the grass, and then they got into you because you ate the sheep. Yeah. Same thing with beef cattle. Okay, so that is where the carbon-14 gets into the human body. Okay. 
but I was just describing a land-based diet. And the Vikings were famous for eating fish. Uh, yes. They ate tons of fish yes. as well as shellfish. Uh -huh. In fact, even when they would eat pork, a lot uh -huh. of times the swine that they had, when they were done eating the part of the fish they wanted, whether that was herring or, or cod or salmon, they'd throw the scraps to the swine. The swine would eat them. So the swine were taking in an ocean food-based diet, right. not so much a land-based diet. Well, as it turns out, fish and other things that come from the sea have a whole lot less carbon-14 in them. Wow. So what that means uh -huh. is when I die and they bury me and then they dig me up centuries later, yeah. they're going to say, this Jim Johnson guy, he lived at the same time as George Washington. <laughs> why will they say that? Because I won't have much carbon-14 left in me. But the okay. reason why <clears throat> is not because I'm that old and I've been degrading carbon-14 for that long. It's because I never got that much of my body to start with yes. because I love to eat fish. In fact, uh, one time I, I ate 70 consecutive meals that had fish in them. <laughs> uh, and, and that, was a, that was a very enjoyable time. Anyway, yeah. so if you eat fish, you get less carbon-14. As a result, um, you're not going to have, you're going to look older yeah. based on those assumptions. So going back to the legal mind uh, uh, is constantly looking at the assumptions that are being made because the conclusions are only as sound as the assumptions. As the assumptions. Yeah. So the, 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 the missing carbon-14 was not really missing. It never got into the Vikings to start with. And the assumptions that were involved, let's see, because this is really interesting. We have a historical record that shows when these Vikings started invading further inland, right? Yes. So yes. you know, okay, here's a, here's a date that is more than likely correct. It's in the history books. It's right there. So now all of a sudden we realize, hey, we must have our assumptions off because these people can't be this age. And what if, what if we didn't have that history? Yeah. Everybody would have just trusted the biochemists yes. without even it. And think about it, carbon-14, that's considered to be a slam dunk uh -huh. uh, uh, form of radiometric dating. The other forms of radiometric dating, which make these large assumptions about things way into the mm -hmm. past, um, they're, they're much more speculative than carbon-14, which everybody assumes is you know, nailed down. And yet here they got it wrong and argued about it for 30 years before finally some type of a consensus was, was come to. And here well, we... Okay, now what yeah. they do is when they, for instance, they dig up Viking uh, uh, burials in, in Iceland or Greenland, uh -huh. they will not only test the bones, but they will test if they have wool, if there's fragments of wool clothing on those bodies. The sheep are herbivores, and so they were eating grass, and so they test the carbon-14 in the wool against the bones. To see if there's a discrepancy there, and that could actually, the wool could give you a better, more yes. accurate date than the bones themselves. And then they use that to add a corrective factor to <laughs> dating the bones. Uh, this is so interesting because what we're talking about is we've, you've got historical records, the assumptions don't match the historical records. If we didn't have those historical records, we would have just gone with the assumptions and we would have been wrong. Well, we have the historical Bingo. record. That's it. Wow. Bring it home for us. How does, how does that impact us as Christians and, and what should we learn from this? Well, in John chapter 5, verses 44 through 47, yeah. the Lord Jesus was talking to an audience and he was, he was chiding them on thinking that they were experts on Moses. And he was telling them, uh, Moses 
the books of Moses, which include Genesis, yeah. they will be your judge one day. And if you don't trust them, why, why will you trust me? Because he spoke of me. Yeah. And he mentioned in that passage that some want the praise of man instead of the praise of God. And that's why many will shy away from the Bible. It's because they, they want to be popular with, uh, with, they want to be like folks. Absolutely. And what you end up with is it is impossible to get our universe out of chance. And entropy will not allow you to do that. I love how you put it. Time is actually the enemy of evolution. Well, listen, Dr. Johnson, I want to thank you for being here today, for sharing your knowledge and expertise. And uh, we'll, we'll have to have you back on a future program. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Thank you. We are commanded to go into the world, preach the gospel. Well, when we encounter someone who genuinely has questions and we don't know how to address their questions, then we're not being nearly as effective as we could. Now, today we've gotten some great advice that I hope that you can use. But if you're watching this from the other side, if you were one who maybe had been skeptical, well, I hope you've seen today that faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ, it's not a blind faith. God became flesh, and because of our sinful nature, He paid the death penalty for us, offering the gift of eternal life with Him. That's how much He loves you. We hope that you have been encouraged and educated today, and we want to give you the tools that you need to boldly go forward and share what you've learned. So leave us questions and comments on our Facebook page and give us a call to learn more. I'm David Reeves, and until next time, I want you to keep looking up, because truly, the heavens declare the glory of God. Hello, I'm David Reeves, host of the TV show Creation in the 21st Century on TBN and the Heavens Declare video series. Each week we talk about breaking discoveries in science which reveal that our Creator, the God of the Bible, has left a pattern of His fingerprints throughout the universe. Engage with other like-minded believers through the Creation Club. This website offers thousands of articles written by scores of authors in multiple languages. Sign up to get our free monthly magazine delivered to your door. Want more? Genesis Science Network is our free 24-7 TV network, reaching millions of people around the world on internet, Roku, Fire TV, and mobile devices. Shop over a thousand books and videos on the Creation Superstore, the world's largest origins-related store. Visit our Wonders of Creation Center and sign up for email updates to have encouraging articles sent straight to your inbox. Like us on Facebook for daily inspiration and education regarding science and the Bible.